Everybody, good to see you. Welcome back. My name is Dean Blundell, and please welcome to the program. My name is, um, well, in 1981, my name became Charles Adler, and I've kept it for over 43 years now. So, happy new year to you, and happy new year to Charles Adler. Yes, Charles Adler, Dean Blundell, back for uh, another fun Tuesday, everybody. Nice to see you. Well, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, depends on which, because we had the Monday off, right? New Year's Day. Uh, But we're back, and we are here. This is a new podcast, even though it's on the old podcast plan. It's called Reprogrammed. That is Chuck. I am Dean. And you know what? Everybody likes to walk through this world, Chuck, with his idea of how life works until one day you realize I've been wrong for 25 years, or maybe I found something out that I didn't know, or maybe I had this idea in my head about the way things work. And then someone opened up my eyes to something and we're just a couple old dogs, right? Like you and I are, you know, you're the legendary Charles Adler. We've had these, these thoughts. I'm only 40, and these but I'm only 43. I'm, I'm younger. Yeah, well, yeah, you yeah. Are, I became Charles Adler 40. 43 years ago. So I want, uh, to, radio name. I want you to treat me like, like Relaunch. a younger and I'll no. treat you like an elder with uh, okay. all the respect you do. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but you and I have talked for many, many hours on the phone. We talk obviously on the podcast yeah. and, and in the world that we live in, everybody's got this idea about how the way the world works or the things that you've learned. And I wanted to preface today's podcast, which is a humdinger, by the way, I wanted to preface today's podcast with Dean and Chuck getting together to talk about how we were programmed before yeah. and how it's possible to be reprogrammed, how how it's possible for you to take in new information and change your mind. What was true yesterday might not be true today, Mr. Adler. You know that. Well, you know, uh, I, I think that the, the difference between uh, people who are sort of permanently angry from the age of, I guess, 35 or 40 for the rest of their, their years, they kind of go to their graves um, scowling. And those people who are giving themselves a shot at happiness are the, the difference is that if you can admit to yourself that when the facts change, your opinion can change, then you can evolve and, and be happy. But if the facts change and your opinions don't change, you just keep talking about the olden days and the olden days and the olden days. You're going to attract a lot of people who want to talk about the olden days and the olden days and the old days, but you're going to go out angry. And uh, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't know when I'm going out. Neither does Dean. None, none of us do. But I, I want to go out with a smile on my face. So while I want to take some issues seriously, I don't want to take myself seriously. Uh, whenever you run the risk of taking yourself seriously, and you, you know when that is, when you haven't mm-hmm. had a laugh in mm-hmm. a long time. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, people say, how do I know I'm constipated? Well, when you haven't had a crap in a long time. That's so true. how do you know that you're not evolving? You stop laughing. When you stop laughing, you stop living. Yeah. Uh, new approach to 2024. And by the way, I know intimately when I'm constipated. Just so you know, it's never a question well, I have to I'm, ask myself. That, it's like, then, mm, then, then you're, what's happening. Then you're self-aware. And that, that matters. <laughs> well, at least my backside is self-aware, which yeah. is really nice. Right? It always tells me, hey, listen, we're not doing any work down here because you haven't been eating many vegetables. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll get on the vegetables. Um, but you, you bring up a great point and, and it's funny because we dance around and have for a long time. And I think generally speaking, a lot of people do dance around the idea of anger, right? You know, um, and, and we watch people self-medicate. We'll talk about new year's Eve. We watch the way people act and operate on social media. And, uh, over the last, I would say a couple of months, I've noticed, you've noticed, actually, you've noticed it and brought it to my attention because you're the chief noticer here being the truth Wolverine, um, <laughs> is that. You, you know, we talk about not turning over new leaves, right? We talk about what we've learned in this journey of life. And I see so many people angry that during the journey of life, something changed, right? Um, whether, you know, the government of the day changed or rules around what you could do at recess changed with snowballs or, you know, the way the world changes, the way that it progresses, the way we evolve. And I think for a lot of people, they get to a point in their life, and I know that was that was the case for me at 45 when I'm like, wait, or 43, 44, wait a second, I can't drink a bottle of vodka every night to drown my sorrows. It's not socially acceptable, even though it's on television. That totally changed. Uh, you can drink that 
glass of wine that you have in your hand right now, Mr. Adler, because you've conquered the radio world in Canada for the past 43 years. So you can have an afternoon Merlot. That's well, my point. There's two, two reasons for that. I have self-discipline, the kind you didn't have. <laughs> I don't have to have six more of these. And by the way, if you're wondering what vintage this is, Chateau de Root Beer. Yes, that's Chateau right. Chateau de Root Beer. I can get off without getting, well, I can get high without yeah. getting dangerous. How's that? Yeah, that's good. Um, But everybody comes into knowledge uh, at different points in time, and we fight like crazy with limited knowledge. It's the Dunning-Kruger thing. And so, you know, over the past several years, obviously, Charles has had a change in, in, in ideology, maybe, or change in how you understand the world to be. And your, your convictions have brought you to a certain place. I know for myself, very much so. You know, I believe that that there's nothing more important than being of good character and acts for the common good. Ten years ago, nothing was more important to me than making as much money as I could and making sure I drove free cars. So it's a very, very different world that we live in, right? Very different world. And a lot of people have a hard time adapting. And when you get new information about something you thought was a certain way for a long period of time, the reticence and the anger that we see out there from people that are like, listen, I I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to hear that. That really encapsulates where we are with information today that gets shared with people everywhere, does it not? Well, I don't, I'm just to, without, uh, you know, being a high school principal, I, I got to correct uh, some of what was just said. I don't think I changed ideology. Okay. I, I think I stopped being ideological. Mm. And I think there's a distinction there, actually. Um, I think when you're ideological, you put everything through the same damn filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're not ideological, you take things for what they are. So you're more grounded. And once again, to go with what we were talking about, about uh, having a sense of humor about you, not getting overly sanctimonious, overly self-righteous, overly invested in something that went on 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, There's there's nothing wrong uh, with having a particular position, uh, you know, conservative, liberal, whatever. I mean, in general, on, on many things, I'm a conservative. In many ways, I'm just a very traditional guy. I mean, last week we had the argument about Christmas, and I'm all for for saying Merry Christmas and happy holiday to me is an abomination. That doesn't mean I want to put people in jail if they use it. I just don't understand why why people have any trouble with, with the two words Merry Christmas, especially on December 25th. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very traditional about many things. However, I am not ideologically conservative. I'm not one of these people who thinks that everything that comes out of, let's say, the Conservative Party of Canada is 100% the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And everything that comes out of uh, the Liberal Party or the NDP Party is 100% bad, bordering on evil. I I don't know how to live in that kind of world. And I think to some extent I was living in that world for a number of years. And the reason I feel a lot freer and a lot happier is I I, I don't take that world seriously anymore. I I think it's kind of clownish, actually. What do you mean? Don't take that world seriously, because I want to play video and then I want you to answer that question, because the video sure. you put out this week, in fact, a couple of days ago, where you wished everybody a happy new year, including the people who hate your haters with a Z, by yeah. the way, on right. the right and the haters with a t- couple of Z's on the left. Yes. Because people like you that have the ability to think independently outside the ideology that belong to the extremes really frustrate people, really yeah. frustrate people. So yeah, I want to play this real people, quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and by the way. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this is our, our last go this year. Look, I want my genuine followers to know that I don't lose sleep over conservative internet trolls who call me things like Chinese communist, woke virus. Uh, the folk who are hyper woke, they hate me much more than these Tory trolls. I'm too big on business. I love trucks. I don't do pronouns. I certainly don't celebrate Hamas. Besides that, the Wokers, they see me as a privileged white male. So it's my privilege to tell my real followers, thank you. I love you. Have a happy new year. See, that's something everybody can get behind, yet somehow you pissed a lot of people off with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I piss off, like I say, the, the people who are religiously uh, conservative. And uh, like I said a few moments ago, everything that's coming out of the conservative camp, well, mostly what's, I mean, if, if I just had to sum it up in, in one uh, kind of sentence, the conservative camp is dedicated to the idea that Canada is going off the cliff. 
mm -hmm. and that Justin Trudeau is driving Canada off the cliff. I'm sorry, I can't, I, I, I can't party with that crowd. That 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 party is toxic, and you can take the word party in you know several different ways. There's no fun there, uh, and there's no there's no reality there. I mean, by what definition is Canada going off the cliff? Because we're wrapping up the year with 3% inflation. So we're going off there. I mean, I, I get the debt business as a, as a percentage of GDP. Uh, you know, we've got our, our debt payments uh, are about the same as they are in many other countries. And in many cases, they're lower. So is Canada imploding? I mean, the, the, the party that is all about doom and gloom all the time and no sense of humor and all this righteousness and all this hatred toward anything that's to the left of them. I mean, our dollar was supposed to be what? It's a 62 cents by now. Mm. That dollar is at 75 cents. And I just think that most people who are not ideological, most people who don't spend their whole day hating on Trudeau or hating on Polyev or, uh, or hating on Christmas, I think most dare I say it, normal people, and normal is a term that a lot of people don't like anymore, but average people, normal people, relatively well-balanced people, which is most people, mm -hmm. um, they they get tired of, of hearing someone fear-mongering in their ear all the time because they've got a life to live. And, and most people don't want to spend the rest of their lives thinking, if Justin Trudeau is in Ottawa, I'm going to have a terrible life. And my kids are going to have a terrible life. My grandkids are going to have a terrible life. But if Pierre Polyev is in Ottawa, my kids have a chance. I'm sorry, that's actually insane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I know it's insane because it doesn't matter who the prime minister of this country is. You know, the, the drapes change, but the house is the same because of the institutions that govern this country, right? So when I watch people battling each other over what they think is right for them, generally speaking, They've been radicalized, right? And radicalized on both sides and left. But how do you reprogram those people to get them to understand not a central ideology, not a left of center or right of center ideology, but how do you reprogram those people into understanding something that I think is central to the issue here? The issue is that we're not thinking independently. We're not using the ability to reason or any critical thinking to go, wait, wait a second, we've been funneled into a two-party system, so we have to put up with this, put up with this, or support this, or support this. And then what happens is the weaponization of what those two people believe gets absolutely leveled at each other, and we're sitting here going, wait a second, how do we reprogram the way that we live? How do we do that? How do we pro reprogram the way that we look at politics? What are you holding up there, Chuck? What do you got on your phone? What, what does it look like to you? It's a blank screen right now, but it did. It had your vaccine passport on it be, to, the, to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. What, is it, so, what does it look like right now? Can you can you see what I'm holding up? Nothing. Yeah, it looks like a phone. You got a cell phone. Okay. All right. Okay. So, reason I'm doing that is because for those people who are watching and uh, for those people who are I thought you were holding your vaccine passport up to tell me no. to go get boosted again. No, no, no. Say, no, okay, no. Okay, what, okay. I, what I'm holding up is the phone, and you're asking what people have to do to deprogram themselves. They have to get off the phone, or get all of the social media that they're into off the phone. Because the way social media works and the way the human mind works is you end up getting hooked on your own thinking being reflected over and over and over again by whichever social media you're using. That's, that's what social media does. That's how they get you hooked. So you get thousands and thousands of messages agreeing with everything you're thinking. Pretty soon, you begin to think that anyone who thinks differently than you is your enemy. You become paranoid and you become hostile hostile to anyone who's a different perspective and members of your family start to shun you they start to you know do whatever they can to avoid you and the more people avoid you the more stuck you are with people just like yourself and sometimes it's known as the echo chamber and there is nothing more maddening than sitting in a chamber where the only voice you hear is your own coming back at you over and over and over again. It's wonderful for the Facebooks and the Twitters, the TikToks. It's wonderful for social media. It's wonderful business because the more addicted you become, the more time you spend with them. The more time you spend with them, the more money they're making off your, call it whatever you want, your habit, your addiction, your way of life. It is not healthy for you. And I say this, I don't care whether you're, on the left or whether you're on the right, 
It doesn't matter. It's the same, it's the same sickness. You become a less tolerant person, an unhappier person, because you can't handle the idea of anybody disagreeing with you on anything. And the first sign of that is you lose your sense of humor. I said earlier, how do you know you're constipated? You haven't had a crap in a while. How do you know that you're addicted to that phone, addicted to social media? You haven't had a good laugh in a while. And mm-hmm. I have known many, many people in many, many cities now, in at least two countries, for the most part, the states in, in Canada. Sorry, I'm not as worldly as I once was. And it doesn't matter what state they live in, what province. It doesn't matter whether it's you know, Republicans, Democrats, you know, MSNBC, Fox, liberals, conservatives. It, it doesn't matter. It's got nothing to do with their party affiliation. It's their absolute attachment to the social media on their phone and going back to the phone over and over and over again during the day. You become programmed when you do that. And Dean is talking about deprogramming, which is what we're both dedicated to because we've both done our best to deprogram ourselves. The easiest way to deprogram is to have a fast, just be starved for social media instead of gobbling social media all day long. Or at least if you're going to be on social media, force yourself, force yourself to look at websites, force yourself to look at tweets, Facebook posts from people you thoroughly disagree with. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, you know what? And that is, it's key because it kind of gets into the other part of the question I want to ask you when it came comes to reprogramming. Like, you know, I grew up and, and let me just kind of preface this with, I've got a great relationship with my family, my brothers, sisters, uh, sister, parents, mom, dad, great people. They share a different ideology than I do. Right. I grew up in an evangelical home. You, you go to church, uh, you know, all the shit that we see that's really exclusive. I grew up in that faith. I grew up in, you know, what we see, the extremes of MAGA, anti-abortion, all that other stuff. So, you know, the biggest bugaboo I've had mentally is getting over what I was taught, what I was propagandized in, what I believe was propaganda. My family doesn't. And they believe that when they die, they're going to go to heaven. I don't believe that. Right. And it's and it's and it's really disconcerting for my family, like really disconcerting. I believe when you die, you're done. It's over. And I'm excited to see what's next. But I don't think anybody knows because no one's been there, come back and gone. Guess what's over the fence? Nobody's done that yet. So that is what I believe. But what is attached to that belief system and the ideology dogs me to this day. Right. It, it still does. And I'm just telling you the truth. No, listen, it it's, comes up all the time. Anyone who listens uh, to your podcast, whether you're on with me or mm-hmm. cheating on me and on with others, Sorry. they will hear you referring to your evangelical past, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least once or twice during the during the uh, cast. And that is definitely dogging you. I mean, something like heaven. I mean, you're angry with uh, the church. You're angry with the idea of heaven and, and all the rest of it. I didn't grow up in that church. I grew up in a, you know, fairly middle-of-the-road, uh, you know, religion. We Religion was 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 part of my part big part of my father's life and yeah. he did some token things you know he went to synagogue on the high holidays and and he did all of this because he wanted to uh, honor his his parents honor his family honor his heritage and that's great i did very little of that because i just don't have an attention span for it however if you're asking me the straight up question would i prefer heaven over just being bug food yeah of course, I'd rather angels and harps and St. Pete and all the rest of it. That, that, cloud that's cars, a, cloud cars too. Don't forget about the cloud everything. Cars. What, whatever I may, I, that, that uh, you know, what, what, what many people see as, you know, imagery, fantasy, whatever you want to call mm. it. Those images are all, to me, a lot prettier than just nothingness, you know, as I say, just being eaten by the, uh, the bugs. So, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so if, if I have a, a, a choice between uh, spending my time in uh, heaven with all that great music uh, and, uh, and and just being eaten up by, by, by bugs and, and worms, it, it, to me, it's an easy choice. So I, I, because I wasn't brought up in any of that, like I mm-hmm. wasn't brought up with people telling me, you better do this or 
you're not going to have it. Go to hell. You better do this or you're going to. I wasn't brought up with that. It's really going to hurt, by the way. That's the thing they tell you when you're 12. It's going to burn, man. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that if I had grown up exactly as you, there might be a chance that it would be something that would be a, an albatross, um, a, a chip on my shoulder, maybe feeling like it's the rock of Gibraltar, you know, the cross I'm bearing, it's really heavy. I mean, I may feel a burden over that uh, for the rest of my life, but because I didn't grow up with that, sure. to me, they're all, they're all nice stories. And when I see them on TV and see them in the movies and, uh, and all of that, I, I, I don't get angry at all. Uh, mm. That doesn't mean that you don't have a right to be angry. You, you had a different experience. I'm a, I, I, I get angry about other stuff. I mean, I get angry about fascism. I get angry about people dehumanizing people because I have a very good feeling for where that goes based on what happened to my family. So I think that none of us stray that far from the home that we grew up in. Uh, we, we, we either are totally with it or we're often acting or reacting against it. In your yeah. case, you're reacting against it. Having said all of that, there's no doubt in my mind that you love your folks, uh, you love your your siblings, sure. and you learn over the years because you're not a member of any cult. Uh, you learn over the years to separate how you feel about some of their ideas. You separate that from how you feel about them. That's what makes you a well-balanced deprogrammed person. I would hate to see a situation where because you have all those issues with the with the church that you were brought in up, up you were brought up in that you've now thrown the baby out with the bathwater that you no longer have a relationship with your folks because many people do have that and those people are angry all the way to the grave. The, the, if if you abandon not just some of the ideas that you found to be unacceptable if you abandon all of the people, whether they're friends, whether they're family, if you abandon them, you abandon a big part of yourself. And it's very, very difficult uh, to, to have a good sense of humor about you and to be self-deprecating and to be the kind of person that people are attracted to. You become a big negative and you become totally, totally vulnerable to various political parties and political movements. If you drill down deep into the people who are most attracted to those things, very often, they are their their souls have separated from something in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, they've been reprogrammed or deprogrammed, and and I think and I think that that's kind of where all of these links in the chain connect in terms of reprogramming yourself, trying to figure out what you know, what you don't know, what you believe today, what was true for you yesterday might not be true today. All of those things. And we experience them in microcosms. My biggest struggle has been with faith. It's been with this idea of the way that life works, the the idea that the earth isn't 5,000 to 7,000 years old, the idea that we came from evolution, the all those things that I was told was not true, all of those things. So sure, there's resentment there. But my point was, is this, is that you know, if I can take an ideology, something that has been drilled into my head, baked into my head through, you know, Sunday school, Bible camp, uh, private Christian high school, outreach programs, all the things that that church was. And if I'm going to sit here and ask, because it's a lot safer to stay in your ideology. It's a lot safer to stay in this little sphere of what you think you know, right? And where it matters today, and again, you can extrapolate that this out from religion that you used to believe in or that you were kettled by as a family member to your political leanings and how you feel about vaccines and how you feel about masks and how you feel about social programs, all those things, you know, where you take your ideology and you challenge it, you legitimately challenge it to your point. When I asked you about how do you reprogram, putting down your phone is one of them, but being open to other concepts and ideas where we literally will hide from them as people, right? We will look at, at, at like, you know, you'll see a news article that says Joe Biden's son did this. Joe Biden fans won't read that article. They'll be like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I just want to stay over here. Same thing with Donald Trump. You know, Trump fans, and they're notoriously bad for it. They don't need to be reprogrammed. They don't want to be reprogrammed. They'd rather vote for a guy who's been indicted 91 times, whose name came up on those Epstein flight logs 15 times today. They'd rather just, you know, hey, listen, I'm going to stay in my programmed ideology. I'm going to stay in this 
this way that I think, and then I'm going to be happy because I don't have to be wrong, right? Whereas it's not about being wrong if you've been programmed a certain way because that's how we look at it. It's about, okay, in my mind, anyway, Chuck, it's about, okay, if if I'm wrong, like, you know, the vaccine thing, this is just a great example. If I'm wrong about vaccine efficacy as someone who is vaccinated, as someone who promoted vaccines, as someone who promoted being socially responsible, if I'm wrong, what does that mean publicly? What does it mean for my reputation? What does it mean for my community of people who are like, yay, Dean, keep preaching the vaccine stuff? And, and it's an amazing thing how the negativity around possibly being wrong prevents people from wanting to be right, or at least getting that information about being right. doesn't matter what it is, but it's all wrapped up in ego. And I, I, I don't understand why people today toil in their frustration, tweeting hate speech to people that they don't know, getting angry at their neighbors, telling people they want nothing to do with them because they simply will not open their minds up to what that person believes, thinks, or says and refuses to educate themselves. Like, how do we get people to live outside that echo chamber, outside of actually telling them to put their fucking phones down? Pardon my language. That's all right. Look, uh, people want to live in a community, and you have to relate to this part of it. Uh, And I'm going to use church, whether you like it or not. Um, I like it. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have to go. I'm just not going. I'll just use church as an example because there are many different kinds of churches. Um, But when the church was a bigger thing in people's lives and, you know, you want to say church, temple, synagogue, I don't care. The house of worship, you know, whatever, whatever house of worship people had in their lives a while ago, that was the centerpiece for their culture. So whether it was the religion they observed, whether it was the school they went to, uh, whether it was the the people involved in that uh, church that became their community of friends, whether they played cards with them or went drinking with them, or 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 or, or, or played football with them or hockey. I mean, the, the 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 there was a time when the house of worship in any particular community gave you the doors to everything that involved your life, and you felt like you were a member of a larger community. We all need to believe in something larger than ourselves, than ourselves, and we have to belong to something that's larger than ourselves, unless we're hermits, and that's just a very tiny percentage of the, of the human race. We are basically uh, social animals. We need to socialize. So when the church and the community centers broke down and we basically moved to the suburbs, where we met a whole lot of people from a whole lot of places on earth, but they weren't members of any particular church. They weren't members of any particular community club that we were members of. They may have been members of their own, but the point is it became very disparate. And I think that much of the social media feeds this hunger for people to be part of a community that they are no longer part of. They were brought up in one, but they're no longer living in one. That makes people hungry. It makes them yearn for people who share their values. And that's why I think they're very vulnerable to to social media and to feeling that the ways that they do, but more to the point of what you're making, why don't they change? Because for them, it feels much better to cleave with their own community. So whether they're pro-Biden, pro-Trudeau, pro-Polyev, pro-Trump, it doesn't matter. It's not about the individual actions of any of those politicians. It's the people who are behind them, the so-called base. Every, every organization, every political party has a so-called base. And the people who are part of that base don't care. People who are part of Trump's base, they don't care if he's charged for, with, with 91 crimes or 191 crimes. It's absolutely irrelevant to them. It's not just that they relate to him. They relate to the people who relate to him. And they're opposed to the people who are opposed to them. That gives them a feeling of community that they no longer have living in some generic suburb somewhere mm. in the world. Mm. Yeah, great point. Um, let me ask you something about challenging those uh, ideologies or the idea that um, you know your political heroes are correct. And by the way, I'm going to change how I look at politics and misinformation, disinformation, all the stuff that drives people crazy. You know, when you get that tweet from some third party agent where he's like, 
Uh, everything that's bad is Justin Trudeau's fault. Like, I, I'm going to start having some fun with that instead of going, how can they keep doing this? Like, how, can, <laughs> how can they keep doing this? Well, I'm, glad. I'm, I'm glad because I wouldn't, I wouldn't give you a nickel. Okay. Yeah. For the other way, I wouldn't give you a nickel worrying about why so many of these people are either trolls or impersonating trolls. I wouldn't worry about it. I would, I would make fun of it. I would mock it. I would basically use those so-called trolls, those so-called members of the cult. I would use them as, as a springboard to having fun. Because I think if there, I think yeah, I think if there's one thing, <laughs> look, when I did that, you you want to for, for people just joining us now and they they you know they 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 forgot what they what they watched or heard half an hour ago. I'll, I'll make I'll make the point a lot clearer by let's run that tape again, what you okay. call the the Torme tape. Uh, yeah, you dude, like this is the Winnipeg to, the Winnipeg Velvet Fog. Chuck yeah, Adler. Okay. All and right. his New Year's, like, hello, I love yeah. you to his real fans. Yeah. Casting aside people on the left and the right who hate you for the exact same reasons. They're yeah. confused. And let's watch it together. Well, I guess this is our, our last go this year. Look, I want my genuine followers to know that I don't lose sleep over conservative Internet trolls who call me things like Chinese communist, woke virus. Uh, the folk who are hyper woke, they hate me much more than these Tory trolls. I'm too big on business. I love trucks. I don't do pronouns. I certainly don't celebrate Hamas. Besides that, the Wokers, they see me as a privileged white male. So it's my privilege to tell my real followers, thank you. I love you. Have a happy new year. So there, uh, how can just, you, so first of all, can I just, can I yeah, just point sure. out what you did there, a little trade craft, right? All right. Where you troll the trolls and you say, I love you (laughs) in this, in this, uh, this avuncular sort of like, I love you guys. You're so uh, cute. I, 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 I'm not a hater. I'm just not, I I love everyone. from 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 a business perspective, how can I not love these trolls? Yeah. From a business perspective, how could I not love these people who want to yeah, hate on me? They they set me engagement. up. Yeah. Okay, they just they they set me up uh, for uh, for fun because yeah, yeah. I, I I'm one of these people who believes that we're just not having nearly as much fun as we once did, and it's my responsibility not just as a journalist. That's only a, a small part of what I am. I am a communicator. I am an entertainer. I want people to be happier. So the last thing I want to do is to fall into line with the the base of either side. So yeah, I mean the the uh, the, the ones who are trolling me on the right accuse me of uh, being woke, and uh, you know I, I can't help but tell them that the people who really are woke and they're really serious about you know saving society at every stage, you know they are so serious. And you know I've got my issues with the the social conservatives who are always telling me how, how to live my life. Well, the, the extreme wokers, if you like, are the same. They're telling mm-hmm. me how to live my life. And so, no, I don't care about pronouns. I know what I am. Yeah. I'm a guy. Yeah. I, I don't have to say him, he, him, he. Well, you got to be kidding me. Why, hey. would I, why would I call, why would I, why would I say, oh, by him, him, he. I, I've had people, yeah. you know, the wokers say, why, why don't you in your, in your Twitter profile, why aren't you saying him, he? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it, I'll tell you care. something. I'll tell you something. The, the pronoun thing is another whole conversation, too, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it another time. But to your point, you know, you can't, you can't have the best of both sides and put them <laughs> together and call yourself a human being anymore, can you? <laughs> just, you know, there's the, and, and the thing, I, I, I always talk about trucks. I love trucks. You do. And, yeah, most of the trucks I like uh, happen to be uh, – Run by uh, you know fossil fuels like I love uh, Kenworths, right? I love Peterbilts. I yep. love those those, those Mac. Uh, those, you know, I I just I mean the uh, best compliment I ever had. I, I just gotten into radio in uh, Calgary. I'd been in radio for I don't know three months or six months, whatever it was, and I covered the the planet. You know, whatever interested me was was on the air. It wasn't right wing. It wasn't left wing. It was just interesting stuff. Okay, and. Um, one of the truckers who was listening to all three hours of my show, because they have to spend a lot of time in that, in that truck. And they were my, my most loyal listeners. And one of my truckers called in and his name was Jim. 
And I remember the words, I'll never forget the words as long as I live. Jim said, Chuck, you know what I love about you and your show? You have more gears than a Kenworth. And that was just that was just his way of saying he can't listen to shows that are just beating on the same drum, beating the same over, over and over again, yeah. All yeah. day long. It, you know, he's he's got too much of a life to live. And if he listens to that, you know, he's, he's got to listen to something. That's his, you know, I'm basically I always saw myself as you know, riding shotgun with, with mm -hmm. people who are on the road a lot. And so if he's got someone riding shotgun with him for three hours, five hours, eight hours, 12 hours, uh, just beating on that, well, then he too will turn into one of these angry people. And I was dedicated to making sure that while we covered issues, we covered the news, that we didn't take ourselves seriously and that we did switch from this to that, local, national, international, human interest. It didn't matter. If, if uh, I bumped into an interesting person on the phone, because I'd be taking lots of phone calls in those days, you didn't have to worry about taking phone calls. You, you weren't likely to just get mountains of hate coming at you like we did during the days of COVID, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of, that was that was when I lost interest entirely in, in, in doing uh, talk radio. Uh, but so years before then, when I started out in talk radio, which was over 30 years ago in, in Calgary, um, when somebody was really interesting, caller, and I took lots of callers, I said to them, would you like to be my guest? And some of them did. So they came down to the station, and they'd be sharing a mic with me in the studio, telling me more about themselves. And they were far more interesting as guests than some of the people who, you know, producers would have on took speed. Took themselves dive. so seriously? No, the experts. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an expert at constipation. I'm important. Uh, I'm yeah. Important. <laughs> and you know what? You talk about treating things with a sense of humor. So case in point, there's a clip that came out about Pierre Polyev. And listen, I am, I'm just as guilty as everybody else about being too serious about fascism, too serious about politics, too serious about the order of the day. This genuinely made me laugh. This was a clip that was put out by the missing Pierre Polyev. Like, uh, no one knows where he is. I mean, he's allowed a vacation. He's worked hard. I get it. Um, but we can't find him. So they're putting out some recycled stuff, including like a recycled uh, thing with him and his wife making like a an alcoholic morning beverage. I, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. But super cool. Super cute. Good for him. Good for them. This clip made me laugh my ass off. And if you're in a conservative war room, I'm going to play this for you. I want your thoughts, because in this clip, Pierre is celebrating electricians <laughs> who harness Canada's electricity from standing in a field with lightning bolt rods, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's let's watch this together. The electrician who captures lightning from the sky, runs it through a copper wire to illuminate this room and light up the world is not ordinary. He is extraordinary. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. That is extraordinary. Like, if, <laughs> if, if he happens to know somebody that is standing in a field on a piece of sheet metal with a lightning rod going, it's coming at any point, fellas. I swear to God, we're going to light up Kindersley tonight if this yeah. storm gives us what we need. Like, can't we enjoy those things together? Well, say, of, of, course we, of course we can. And there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, he's making the point that he loves – Common people, because that's always his thing, right? Sure. He loves yeah. common people, so he celelebrates common people. So he says all kinds of stuff that that. that, that by know, the way, catching lightning is uncommon. So don't don't like let's let's find but a different but word. He, but, he's but he's 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 celebrating the electrician, okay. right? Because yes. if you remember, I I lived in that world for many years. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. So you're you're always celebrating people who work with their hands. They're the people who are who really work. The ones who are at keyboards like all the people he has in his real life they're not they're not real canadians real canadians work with their hands like plumbers like farmers like electricians so i mean there's a there's a list of them and so that that's that's oh, so that's uh, that's a that's a move that's like a political move that's yeah yeah is. yeah every everything everything yeah, but, do, but, but would you not as a someone who, who writes those used to write talking points like that like you know the war on christmas talking points would you not go hey listen before you go out there just so you know this is how electricity works this is <laughs> we get I it would, from niagara falls it's from a I, turbine it's yeah. a big thing it's called I wouldn't, hydro. I wouldn't use that particular talking point but I don't know who wrote that particular talking point. And they may be a freaking idiot for all I know. 
but the, what, what he does correctly for his yeah. audience, it's the tone. And if you watch it again, you'll notice that that tone is getting the response that he's eliciting because he's being inspirational. He's doing a, I don't know, a, a wannabe version of what the the, the, the the Sunday morning Bible thumpers are doing. He's doing that same. I mean, it's a bad, bad version, but it's good enough and it's better than what most politicians can do. And people are always judged relative to their peers. So no, he's he, better at doing that than many others. He really is. I mean, listen, I, I bought it for a second. I had to Google, do we get do we get electricity from guys standing there with lightning rods, capturing lightning as it rains down from the heavens? And the answer is no. Just so you know, I literally had to Google, how do we get electric? <laughs> it's not about, I'm not, I'm not trying to be his lawyer here. I'm just trying to say, I know it's, it's not, that isn't about electricity. It's simply about celebrating the common working person. Right. Which is really interesting because his party hates labor unions. Like really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, if you're looking for like you know, intellectual, uh, Consistency is uh, ain't there. I think yeah. it was. I think it was Emerson uh, who uh, wrote that, uh, and it could, it could have been. It could have been someone else. Uh, could have been who's the guy who spent a lot of time on the lake? I'm not talking about Lake Wobegon. Who's the guy? That he was. He, he spent a lot of time alone. He talked about um, uh, misery and the common person and people leading lives of, of common misery. Uh, I think it starts with an H. It'll come to me at some point. Anyway. Famous philosopher, American philosopher, somewhere around the 18th century. And he talked about what we're talking about. And you're going to now remind me, because I love to do this at least once a show, you're going to remind me about what it is that we're talking about. What are we talking about? <laughs> Chuck and Dean we're here. We're talking about having more fun with these guys and reprogramming ourselves <laughs> and taking it so seriously. It fits into the theme. You don't have to. This is what I love about renaming the podcast. You can always stay on topic almost the entire show, which is incredible. See, we can have fun with ourselves. We can <laughs> it's almost it's almost as if you had like a, a real banger of a New Year's Eve. Did you go out at all for New Year's Eve or no? I, yeah, I, I did. I did. I went to. Where'd you um, go? Well, I went to the. By the way, steakhouse. Happy New Year John, to you. Thanks very much. Happy New Year. <laughs> I went to the steakhouse mm -hmm. that John Candy uh, used to love going to in Winnipeg. It's called. Uh, Rain Jerry's. Rain It's Dr. world famous. He used to order the pierogies and the steak from there, and he used to have them cater all of his all of his movies. Did you yeah. know that, John Candy? Ray and Jerry's is super famous. They make the best steak, apparently, in the entire province of Manitoba. Maybe one of the best in the world. Yeah, they're uh, they're very good at what they do, but they don't, unfortunately, have on the menu something that I've eaten far too many of, but I, I, I could never stop loving it. And I don't know whether uh, your mom or, or dad uh, loved this, because... A previous generation did, and many people in today's generation are, are grossed out by this. So here it is. Liver with onions and bacon. Okay, fried liver with onions and bacon was, in my books, the best thing that they had on the menu. And it, they haven't had it on the menu for a long time. Well, because it's an organ, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an organ house. It's a steakhouse. <laughs> I... You know, I grew up with I grew up with uh, liver and and onions. Uh, my my mom and and dad uh, loved it, and my grandmother loved it, and so I loved it. And so, one day, you know, many years after I'd run away from home, as it were, I discovered at Ray and Jerry's on the menu. And of course, I was used to ordering steak, you know, prime rib, other uh, steaks. Sure. Uh, yeah, know, yeah, some, yeah. Sometimes a fish and Winnipeg uh, big appetizer is uh, Winnipeg Gold Eye. Uh, and there's pickerel, which other people have other names for. Anyway. Uh, so instead of ordering any of those things, I spotted the liver with onion and bacon, and I went, "Holy! I gotta, I gotta try this." And gotta it was, have it. It was used to have it all the time. They took it off the menu. I feel sad for you. Did you have a couple cocktails on New Year's Eve? No, no. I uh, Did you get an alcohol-free New Year's Eve. I've been, I've been alcohol-free uh, for a few weeks now. Um, your story inspired me to um, to go alcohol-free for a while. Oh, like to claim alcoholism and then tell everybody how terrible your life has been, and then give your amends. Have you been doing I just, that? I, I'm just taking a break from it. I, I, I don't, I don't drink very much. I'm not saying yeah, that yeah. there wasn't a time when I, I used to like drinking more. But my, my problem with alcohol, and maybe it's a good problem to have, if I have like more than one beer, or like right now I'm using a wine glass, but it's just containing root beer. 
Yeah, it's uh, a very classy root beer, though, Chuck. It is a classy yeah. root beer in that wine glass. But if I have, uh, if I really, if I have real wine, um, like a, a glass of it or two glasses of beer, I go to sleep. Do you really? It puts me to sleep. I don't become more animated. I become, I become sleepy. Yeah. You know, it was a weird year this year because um, obviously I have no problem talking about not drinking, but New Year's Eve. Um, and listen, a lot changes when you quit drinking. So I quit drinking almost seven years ago. Um, and, and, and I call it ride program season really excites me as a non-drinker. And I'll tell you why. New Year's Eve, I volunteered to drive everybody everywhere. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Tell your friends. I'll go get them. Go get you. And there is a ride program app where people will go, hey, there's a ride program here. Watch out. Ride program. I went to three separate ride programs that were out of my way because I could. Because I was like, you know what? I can't wait to go through these things because of how I used to feel, right? And it's not that I used to drink and drive, but I love not drinking to the point where I can celebrate the good things that come with not drinking, right? So I go through the two ride programs, get to the first one. The guy's like, hey, you've been, when was your last drink? I'm like, seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so you're not drunk? I go, no. When was the last time you smoked not something? Really. Uh, just my vape, and that was about 10 minutes before I got here. That's right here. Yeah. That's all I got on me. And he's like, you don't drink? No. Don't smoke? Nope. Yeah. And I go, do you want to give me a breathalyzer? He's like, no, nah, man, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, if you're offering, lady goes, no, you can go. Don't worry about it. We don't need to get you. And it, it's it's fascinating because like that experience itself, you talk about discipline, being freedom, all those things. I, on the other side of that, I also got like, I don't know, 10 or 15 messages this weekend from people who are like, I got to quit drinking. I got to stop. And it was like New Year's morning, right? It was like the day after New Year's Eve where it's like, I need some help. You got to point me in the right direction. You got to figure it out. And it's amazing to the interaction that I got this weekend from saying, hey, I don't have to have a hangover this New Year's Eve. I don't have to do any of those things this New Year's Eve. I'm looking forward to going through a couple of ride programs, driving people around this New Year's Eve and seeing how many more people this year we're like, me too. It's been a year. Me too. It's been two years. Me too. It's been 15 years. And there are a lot of people out there that are experiencing the freedom that comes with not being hammered. Right. And I, I was really, really, really encouraged by that this New Year's Eve. Not that, not that I care if anybody drinks. I'd never take anybody's inventory. It doesn't matter. You do what you got to do. But it's almost like lights are going on with people when it comes to being reprogrammed. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I don't need this to have a good time. Oh, um, it makes me feel like shit the next day. Oh, I don't have any headaches. Oh, I don't have to be an angry, teetering dickhead the next day because my nervous system is all shot. Oh, 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 oh. And I feel like one of those like dolly do-goods, you know, when I talk about this. But like legitimately speaking, and I can tell you, I've drank lots of alcohol. I've been drunk thousands of times. There is nothing like not drinking there is nothing like not being hammered there is nothing like not being a slave to something there is nothing like it having said that do i vape yeah am i slave to it a hundred percent but there is nothing like being able to drive through a ride program without having your fucking heart in your throat there's nothing like being able to go drive by a liquor store and not go man if i don't stop there i'm screwed <laughs> so like it was it was a, it was an awesome dichotomy this week watching people text me going oh i'm dying to me going man i experience the promise of this every day and i would encourage everybody to do the same thing i really really would if you're so inclined so while i may like big trucks I uh, went through a long period of my life where I hated gas stations. Okay. Not, it wasn't the smell of gas. I actually liked the, uh, the smell of gas, but it was That's the fact that they had old Henry's. Okay. Reese's pieces, M&M's, mm -hmm. Mars bars, Snickers bars mm -hmm. in their stores. Delicious. So every time I saw a gas station and I spent a lot of time on the road, every time I had saw a gas station, I had a craving for chocolates and chips. And Joe Louis cakes. Why are we all quiet all of a sudden? Well, because I just said something profound. The other, the other, the other piece of profundity I want to offer <laughs> is Ray Waldo Emerson. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. Were, we were getting rather intellectual, and I decided to put the brakes on. Okay. <laughs> now that we're having some fun, it's okay to bring in you know the smart stuff. Yeah, Thank you, Ray Waldo Emerson, who was a philosopher in the 19th century, who said that intellectual consistency is the hobgoblin of mediocre minds, and that came up earlier. But it doesn't matter why it came up. Context doesn't matter here. I want everyone to read as much as they can about Ray Waldo Emerson because he, on top of coming up with these great quotes, okay, uh, he was one of the masters of self-reliance. And in fact, he wrote a book called Self-Reliance. And I know the, the wokers, uh, you know, the, the, the ultra-wokers don't like the idea of self-reliance and the, the ultra-right-wingers don't like it. But I'm telling you, if you, if you borrow, read, even if you just go on the computer and download a couple of chapters of Ray Waldo Emerson, Self-Reliance. If you can rely on yourself for the most important things in life, like thinking, doing your own thinking, you will be a much happier person. He is the guy, when you, when you read it, when you read some of it and realize how, how much this could, could change your life in a very, very good way, um, you'll realize why the guy that Chuck will never forget as the person who said intellectual consistency is the hobgoblin of mediocre minds. You'll know why Ray Waldo Emerson means so much to me. Charles Adler, uh, thank you very much for doing this. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, you can get his podcast where you get our podcast, Cryer Media, Cryer.co. You can also get it anywhere you find podcasts. This is another dual podcast, dual cast, we call it, reprogrammed. If we can learn new things, trust me, you can too. Uh, my name is Dean Blundell. I'm Charles Adler, and I love Canada and Canadians. I love America and Americans. I love Great Britain and the British. I love Israel and the Israelis. I love Gaza and the Palestinians. Most of all, I love you. Good night, everybody.